Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Here are your hosts, Dave Adamson and Ashley Bohens. How's it going, everyone? My name is Dave, and I want to welcome you to episode 59 of the Have Think we been Orange. Doing this? Let me finish, Ash, let me finish, (laughs) of the Think Orange podcast. I am joined, as usual, by my co-host, or am I your co-host? You're my co-host. Ashley Bohans, how are you, my friend? Good, thank you. How are you doing today? Listen, it's June, it's summer, I'm doing fantastic. That is so good. How about you? I'm doing absolutely amazing. Summer is here in Atlanta, it's unbelievable. Atlanta. You always do this. And today I'm excited because we are talking about what it means to be for our neighbor. Hey, Ash, can you tell us what the For Our Neighbor initiative is? Yeah, I'd love to. So being for our neighbor means you literally are for them. F-O-R. F-O-R. That, that's important. It's, it's, it means you're for the people God loves above the positions that we take on issues that divide us. So it, it means you're for the people who look different than yeah. you, who think different than you, who act different than you do. Basically, it means we're for God's love being shown to everyone. And that, when we say neighbor, I mean, literally the people around you, the people down the street, whoever that is. Yeah, because it's so easy for us as Christians to get caught up in a little bubble, right? A little church bubble where we look inward. It is. Yeah, it's easy to focus on the things that divide us or that we disagree with yeah. rather than focus on what we're for. And we're for people. Yeah, and, and it goes back to that great quote from our friend Jeff Henderson, who's the lead pastor at uh, Gwinnett Church here in Atlanta. He He says that for too long, the church has been known for what it's against. We want to be known for what we are for. Mm. I absolutely love that. That's uh, like a mural on the wall. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a mural on the wall. Yes, Dave, that's my church. Oh, really? Aquanet Church is what I was going to finish saying. Uh, and it's such, a great, it's such a great vision piece to get people to look outward and, and to care for the people who are not already in the building. I absolutely love that. Yeah, I do too, Dave. I love the whole mindset of rather than asking people to come before our church and come attend our church service, it really looks like going to the restaurants in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's, it's supporting the, the local businesses. It's supporting the community events. It's finding out what's happening in the community and being for it so that you build bridges rather than walls. Yeah. So if you're listening today and you want to know how you can be for your local community, this is going to be a great episode for you to listen to. I'm going to encourage you right now, get a pen and paper out because you're going to want to take lots of notes because it's not just Ash and I talking about how much we love this. We've brought in some experts who actually know what they're doing in this field and have done lots of research in it. The first one is Darren Kaiser. Now, Darren is the Director of Strategic Initiatives here at Orange. He's also the author of the Volunteer Project, Stop Recruiting and Start Retaining. We Which have is a, so good. That it, book is incredible. It, absolutely. If you don't have that and you're a church leader, you want to have that in your library. There is so much great content in there. Very, very practical. Uh, uh, Ash and I had the chance to interview him. And we're also going to be hearing from Brooklyn Lindsay. Now, she is the director of Orange's High School Exchange. But more importantly, and how she's an expert in this area and somebody you should be listening to, for years she has been working with students and adults on global 
advocacy. Now, one of the things we often talk about here on the Orange Podcast is the difference between local and global mm -hmm. initiatives. Now, Ash, I know that you run like an organization that helps empower people economically mm -hmm. overseas, yeah, right? I do, in Ethiopia. And so you could say that you're for that project, you're for the people of Ethiopia, which is super important. But it's also important for us as church leaders to be for our local community as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in John where it says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Oh! It, and I think it's such a great picture. I mean, that's what Jesus did. Yeah. And I think when you are present in a neighborhood, but you're actually not actually present. Yeah. I think that that there's a disconnect there. Yeah. And now my wife works in missions as well and I'm, and we are not for a second saying that uh, overseas missions is not important. It super is. Yeah, it but, is. But it's also super important to do local missions too. Uh, I remember hearing a pastor coin this phrase that at the church needs to be global. Um, that, local. Yeah, that wasn't, I like it. That wasn't like a uh, phlegm induced. We are never sure with you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's not because I have hay fever or that wasn't pollen induced. Glocal, it's the idea of being global and local at exactly the same time. And that's really what we're meant to do, right? Jesus talked about, you know, Judea, Samaria, and the entire world. So yep. it's supposed to be local and supposed to be global as well. So I'm really excited about this episode. It's going to be awesome. Before we jump in, though, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode is proudly brought to you by the Orange Conference. Now, Ash, our producer oh. <laughs> Kevin has given us these papers to read about the Orange Conference, but I don't think we need to do it because we, we have been to Orange Conference. We love Orange Conference. I just want to I just want to know straight off the bat, like no script. Let's put the scripts down. <laughs> what is your favorite part of Orange Conference? I love getting to talk to partners and youth pastors around the country and hearing yeah. what, what's happening in their ministry yeah. and, and how the strategy is working in their context. I always learn so much and meet so many incredible people. Now, if you don't know, if you're listening to this for the first time, you don't know what Orange Conference is. It is a three-day conference in Atlanta, Georgia for the family ministry team. But one of the things that I love most about it is you get all these great world-renowned family ministry leaders sharing their content, but it's also, it feels like a family in the audience. Don't you find that when you're walking around? It's like everybody's just family. I, I love that. And I love that the entire next-gen team in a church can yeah. attend together where they all are talking about similar issues yeah. and all using the same language, but it's specific to their age group. So I when the it. whole team goes home, they're all talking the same language. It's really helpful. That is so good. So we are already talking about the Orange Conference 2019. And if you register by July 12, 2018, you'll receive our lowest rate for tickets and get bonus deals on this fall's Orange Tour 2018. Ash, Orange Tour. Listen, Orange Tour is incredible. Basically, we take Orange <laughs> Conference on the road yeah. to 20-something cities around this country, and, and we'll do one-day stops in these cities. And what we'll be what in, sort of cities? Uh, we'll be This year, we'll be in uh, Phoenix and Boston and Chicago and Dallas, Charlotte, Orlando, all, all over. And if you want to know those exact cities, you can visit orangetour.org. Yeah. And you can find out where the nearest city is to you. And if you want to learn more about Orange Conference 2019, you can go to orangeconference.com. That's the orangeconference.com. Make sure you get tickets. It's really, really good. Hey, we're going to throw it over to Darren and Brooklyn right now, and we'll see you on the back end of that. Thank you. 
So I'm going to just start with this big idea.、Um, serving on Sunday could change someone's Monday forever. I just want to kind of imprint that on your mind. Serving on Sunday could change someone's Monday forever. And I say this because the truth is, most of you are only going to have one day a week for one hour a week with the students that you serve. Possibly two, right? You might have a midweek service, you might have、um, your weekend worship services, but that day is basically all you have to leverage a heart for serving for the other six days of the week. But the thing is, it, it might not just be the Monday of the kid in your group. It could be the Monday of a family in need, or a person in need. It could be the Monday of a family in need. It could be the Monday of a small group trying to change a story that shouldn't be. Maybe a small group that you have is just super passionate about、um, fighting world hunger, and they really want to do it. And, and they're they're telling the story. You know, this story shouldn't be. How do we do this? How do we walk into this? So giving them these tools could change. Someone else's Monday in that area of need that they're passionate about forever. It could be a Monday of a teenager looking for a significant role in a bigger story. I think、um, for me, serving others as a young teenager, I learned that I was valuable as I began to serve. It's like I didn't feel like I was good enough until I started serving others, and God was showing me how good I actually was created to be. And I think that that's true in young teen youth ministry because they're asking, "Am I good enough? Do I belong?" Do I fit in here? Am I significant? Those are those big developmental questions that they're wrestling with, and as we give them opportunities to serve, they're getting the affirmation they need to grow and change and develop in the context of serving. The second big idea I wanted to give to you is that a love for serving is forged in meaningful relationships and serving opportunities. Fuller Youth Institute did a survey to high school students, but I'm pretty sure that this is indicative of middle schooler students as well.、Um, they did a survey and they asked teenagers, "What do you want out of youth group? Like, what is it that you want? What are the the things that matter most to you?" And the results were pretty amazing. The results were this: they wanted meaningful relationships, and I feel like youth ministry by design is really good at having meaningful relationships. We're awesome at it.、Um, they also wanted opportunities to serve. That was number two. The biggest thing that they wanted out of a youth ministry was an opportunity to serve. And number three was so closely linked. It was mission trips, mission opportunities, places to volunteer, stuff to do. And so, in my mind, meaningful relationships and opportunities to serve are interconnected, and it, it kind of echoes that great commandment, right, that Jesus gave us. You know, the the Shema of the Old Testament that talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and what else? Loving your neighbor as yourself. And so, it's so cool that teenagers that haven't taken a lick of theology, you know, they haven't studied it, they haven't thought about it, wrestled with it. They're saying the one thing I want in this life, in this youth group, the one thing I need. Is a meaningful relationship with God and with each other. I need that, but I also need this opportunity to interact with my neighbor, whoever that neighbor may be. An opportunity to serve the person in front of me, or an opportunity to engage a culture around me. So I thought that was pretty cool, and I thought, well, how does that work for us when we already have this kind of DNA for meaningful relationships? The way it can work is small groups. Or fill in the blank: youth ministry time, family time, small group time, times serving opportunities or volunteer ministry. The next idea is unleashing a love for serving that requ- it requires a consistent coaching. I call this "don't quit grit."、Um, there's a word. The word it's a Finnish word. Do I have any Finns in the room from Finland? So if there was, I was going to have you explain it. <laughs> But there's a word. It's called "sisu." I have it tattooed on my arm now, and.、Um, 
it's an important word to me because there are going to be times in youth ministry where you want to quit this whole idea. Like, it's going to feel like you, you came in this room maybe and you're passionate about serving. You're excited about it. You've got some good programs running and you want, you want help with it. And maybe you came into this room and you're like, this is kind of boring. And I wanted to say this. It feels boring. Compassion feels boring. Um, serving others, it starts on a high and, and it gets real low real quick. And, and serving and transformation takes time, and it's slow work, and you have to stay in it. And I'll tell you, this year has been the most uh, scrub me to the core year of my life because I said, I'm going to give my whole life and youth ministry experience to helping teenagers and churches learn how to serve together. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to be awesome at it. And that's my passion, and God's given me the gifts and the resources to do it. And then as soon as I step into it, I'm drowning. I'm drinking like every little drop of God's goodness, like trying to take it all in. And I still feel like I'm, I'm not able to do it. I'm seriously breathing through a straw. Do you, have you ever felt like you're breathing through a straw? Like you're in over your head and there's a straw and there's three feet of water and the straw is like two and a half feet long. Like that's, that's kind of how you can feel sometimes when you want to do something big and courageous or maybe even small and seemingly insignificant. You just want to do a small little thing and you're getting all this resistance, whether it's from parents or it's from a budget that's restraining you or whatever it is, there's this opportunity for you to say, you know what, I'm just going to check out. So I just, one, want to say thank you for being here and making serving a priority because it's not easy. It's not for the one who sits there and says, okay, I'm just going to set this thing on fire and I'm going to blow it up. Like, that doesn't really help anybody. Unleashing a love for serving over a lifetime means living a life of serving today. And I think if we can live that and be in that and sit in that, we can offer that mentoring to our families. We can say, even though you didn't get to go on a mission trip this summer, there's someone you can serve today. Even though you didn't get to do what you hoped to do, you can serve your siblings and your, your mom and dad today. Um, you can provide mentoring for your leaders. Maybe you're looking around at your leadership team and you can't remember the last time you served together. But then you're thinking, wait, yeah, we did. We just did last Wednesday and last Saturday and last Friday night. We've been serving together for a long time. Then why not call it what it is? And really talk about that language of serving. I've been serving with my friend Carly for, for years. And sometimes we take it for granted, all the miles we've stepped in together. There was one time when I was um, doing something two summers ago in Kentucky. And it was this big event. And I'm serving teenagers. And I want them to have this information. Because I think if they have this information, they could change the world. They can change the clean water crisis in the world. And I've got 7,000 posters. And no one came to pick up all these posters. And I need to go to this arena. And, you know, all the youth pastor things that you're doing. Doing, right? And so I'm pushing this cart because no one showed up with 7,000 posters in it across Louisville, Kentucky on a cart with a crooked wheel. And my friend Carly's with me Snapchatting, of course, being super helpful. And then we're like going across this town and, and the cart tips over and there's like paper everywhere in the middle of an intersection. And I'm thinking, you know what? Like, like this, this is not just me like living it, like Carly's living it. And we're, we're, even though she's like, documenting it all for future use we are we are serving together and that binds us together in a way that nothing else can those stories live on i will never forget that story out till the day i die that moment when god just like brought his mercy down into my life and somehow transported me five blocks to somewhere i needed to be like in five minutes without killing me like god can do that and so the more you use the language of serving with your staff, with your team, with your friends, like these acts of service have an opportunity to transform relationships. 
And for a lot of people on your team, that's their love language. How many of you know acts of service are your love language? Like when people serve you, they could give you gifts all day long, but it doesn't mean as much. But when someone serves you or gets alongside of you in a project and says, I'll help you, it's like they're like the most important person in your life. And you're like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you for showing up. So acts of service, don't underestimate the way that you can mentor leaders and then also mentoring middle school students. I think if we want them to have a love for serving, we have to ask some really good questions about who's passionate about serving right now and how can those passions ignite passions in your friends. So giving them some opportunities to mentor each other in peer groups or maybe even giving them an opportunity to tell their story about how serving is growing in their life. So that big idea, unleashing starts with a fearless plan is super important. It's just kind of like a heart song or maybe just like your war cry or whatever metaphor you want to use. It's saying, I am going to have a plan and it may or may not work, but I have one and I'm committed to it. So I think that kind of tenacity, that kind of audacity, it gives you an opportunity to move forward in some ways that you may not have been able to move forward before. I just want to kind of camp here for a second. It doesn't matter how you start. It just matters that you do. And I think maybe all of us have been frustrated in this whole area where we have a lot of resources for discipleship, a lot of opportunities for fun. Kids show up for the party, but they're not showing up for the serving. And you're like, why does the sugar draw more than the compassion? Like, why is it? Well, sometimes people are in different levels, right? And sometimes serving helps a teenager see God. Sometimes serving helps a teenager see God. I was doing a webinar yesterday, and somebody asked the question, can a non-believer serve other people? And I think this is a good question for us to consider in middle school ministry, because a lot of times the kids coming up are relatively new to their faith, or they haven't had a relationship with Jesus, been like they haven't had one yet, or they haven't articulated and told anybody about it yet. So we're in this situation where do we... Do middle schoolers serve? Should they serve if they don't believe? I feel like serving others is one of the most transformative communities we could have. Because in serving others, you get to see someone's brokenness, and that brokenness can help you understand your own. So if you're thinking about some of the things that help a teenager love serving, it's starting the process of serving regardless where you are. So if you have a youth ministry that's super, super sophisticated in your serving model, keep moving forward in that. If you're just beginning, just take that small step. Because it really doesn't matter how you start. It just matters that you begin that process of showing the value of compassion and serving. And as you do that, I believe that Jesus reveals like his own incarnational ministry through that. Like He came to serve, not to, to be served. And I think that's one of the things that we embody as we make this a priority. Hey, I want to welcome Darren Kaiser into the Think Orange Bunker. Did I pronounce your last name correctly, Darren? Correct. Awesome. And uh, obviously, my good friend Ashley is here, who just made me a fantastic cup of coffee. Thank you, Ash. Thank you so much. Uh, Darren, we are here because we are talking about being for your neighbor. Specifically, though, I want to talk about your title first. I want to get this straight (laughs) out of the way. You are the Executive Director of Strategic and Academic Initiatives for Orange. Yes, uh, that is such. That is such everything. Every word in that title. 
is very weighty. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes, I know, right? That is the heaviest title it totally I've ever. Is. The executive director of strate- strategic and right, academic I can initiative. Simplify it. Go, give us your one sentence job yeah, title. It's the catch-all. <laughs> Anything yes. that doesn't fit anywhere else drops He's the into chameleon. the, the that bucket is, of strategic initiatives. That is amazing. So how does that role play out specifically when we think of being for our neighbors? So the for our neighbors is an idea yep. um, that we've been chasing for a number of years around here saying, how can we elevate really strategic service in our communities, give students and families opportunities to serve, and how do we help move the needle in a community, and specifically in some of the underserved, and we're targeting some rural communities and trying to just see if we can't uh, help provide some change. Yeah. Now, for all the first-time listeners, first of all, why are you a first-time listener? Keep listening because we want you to get more information. But if you are listening for the very first time today, uh, we've been talking about For Our Neighbours for some time at Orange. It was the theme of the Orange Conference and the Orange Tour last year. Um, And we've got some practical resources, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later on. I would love to know from your vantage point, what does it mean for a local church to be for its neighbours? Yeah, I think the big thing is for us to begin to think beyond what happens in the weekend in our buildings, on our sites, with our own people, and begin to widen that out and say, what is it that we can do to help our friends, yeah. our, our neighbors, and mm-hmm. what what's the difference? What do we need to be involved in on Monday, yeah. you know, on through the week and on the weekends? What are the initiatives that the parents care about? What is the community trying to change? Yeah. You know, and how can we be a part of that? Yeah. And start moving just a little bit beyond our walls and starting to think about the wider context of our community. Yeah, now this seems like a layup, right? I mean, it's all throughout the Bible. In fact, when Jesus was asked to pare down 613 laws into one, he came up with two, one of which was just to love your neighbor. But it's really something that I think, I think personally, and I would love you to jump in on this, Ash, at any point. um, I think personally, it's something we think about. It's not necessarily something that we do. Would that be fair? Oh, very, very. Um, And I think maybe some illustrations of it, you know, the one community we're working in is Wrightsville, Georgia. And one of the things that just happened, uh, you know, this spring was working with a group of churches, working together to clean up a overgrown cemetery. Mm. And there was this cemetery that a number of churches, primarily black churches, and it had just kind of gone into a point where there wasn't anybody to care for it. And it just was overgrown. People couldn't even get to see their family members, you know, uh, gravestones Mm. and things. And so the whole community began to band together to be able to make this happen and be able to see these church leaders and these different pastors rallying together as a group, but more importantly, reaching out into the community to all their friends and relationships and seeing something significant happen. Yeah. Um, so it's just one of those simple things where n- and none of the meetings I've ever been in as a pastor did we say, oh, <laughs> hey, is there an overgrown, underused <laughs> something that we can throw some dollars at or time? But yeah. when you start thinking about your neighbors and you realize there's hurting families who feel kind of uh, pushed off to the side simply because they can't, you know, nobody cares enough yeah. to be able to help. So, yeah. so did you guys approach the community and the churches in that area about cleaning up the cemetery or was it their idea? It was, it was one of the things that specifically as Reggie has interacted in that community, he continued to hear 
Mm. just little pieces kind of surfaced of where do you maybe asking the question, you know, where do you feel mm. pushed aside or not valued or, you know, unloved in essence. And one of the things was this cemetery, our heritage is buried in brambles and picker bushes and everything else. And, and it became like, oh, we could do something about that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I don't want to brush past something you just said, because I think it's really important when we are for our neighbor. Um, you mentioned that Reggie had a lot of conversations with people in that community, and mm. he was looking for the themes of what was coming up. Yeah. And even though maybe it was him putting the the answers together and, and moving that forward, I think it's really important that he's finding out what they actually are feeling. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It starts out, it, we have to have those conversations out in the wider community rather than just inside the church. I know a couple of years ago, uh, Orange had a focus on Monday is coming. Yeah. And this feels like maybe it's an extension. Um, there seems to be this big push at the moment for you know for churches to think outside of the one hour that they connect with people on Sunday and think about the other 167 hours. Now, a couple of years ago, it felt like you know Orange was saying, hey, uh, don't just think about Sunday, think about Monday as well. And now mm-hmm. it seems like you're... Ex- you're extending that just into the whole rest of the week. Yeah, that would be true. Um, you know, the Monday is coming was just to make sure that what we teach, what we talk about is applicable on a Monday morning. Yeah. That we don't get lost in our own heads of, oh, this is, this is so intriguing and amazing and unique. And yet it has no transferability to the parent or to the fourth grader or to the eighth grader trying to navigate a locker yeah. and everything else. It's mm-hmm. Like, how do we make sure that it's helpful? And I think so. Yes, the next phase of that as well is okay. But you know, what are what's the community worried about? Yeah. What are they concerned Good. about? What's the hurts? Um, what's the pains? What's the you know, the things that they just need help with. Yeah, that's so good. Now, I know you've also started a nonprofit called For Our Neighbor. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Sure. So the kind of the, in order to be able to move it a little bit further, we began to kind of formalize uh, a bit of a process and eventually it'll roll into what would be known as chapters. So there'd be the For Our Neighbor as kind of the overarching organization. And then there will be chapters that represent that in each different community. So yep. right now we've got two different communities um, in Georgia, one in Wrightsville and one in Polk County, where we've got significant activity happening and bringing together churches, schools, community leaders, businesses, all trying to work together towards some common uh, goals and agendas. That's fantastic. That's awesome. And, and I understand you're doing some stuff with high schools as well, the high school exchange. Yes. So Is that when students just exchange, get exchanged between different high schools? <laughs> you give me three that would docs be an and experience. I'll give you four. Yeah, that, that would be fun. What's, uh, in, uh, most of these uh, communities, there is only one high school. Uh, so they're, they're Send so, them to a new community. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what it is, it's, it's a... Hopefully, it's a modern, fresh, new approach to some in-the-states missions trips. So Mm. the idea is of allowing some students from another part of the country Mm. to travel to one of these For Our Neighbor chapters and then spend a week there uh, interacting with the students who are in that community. And so we would refer to it as kind of a co-impact experience where those who live in the the community of like Polk or, or uh, Wrightsville, they've got that opportunity to meet kids who are coming from elsewhere, and together they tackle different challenges in that community, whether it be childcare, whether it be service projects, they would have shared worship experiences, yeah. and they would target those together. And the idea is that hopefully there's a 
something that occurs there, some exchanges occur in those relationships where they get a vision for what could be in their community. They get a vision for what's outside their community. They meet new relationships and uh, hopefully be able to uh, help them move forward. This seems like such a, again, it's one of those things that seems like this is so obvious. How come this hasn't happened in, in the past? There's, we're, we're certainly learning from other organizations. So, you know, YouthWorks yeah. is, you know, one of the organizations that we are continually interacting with and, and learning from them. And so I think things very similar have been happening for a long time. Uh, we're just trying to take what's happened in the past and yeah. tie it to an overall strategy for yeah. a specific community and then just kind of weave that in together to maybe work in some fresh ways for yeah. a total uh, year-round and multi-year impact. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're only doing this when we have a chapter so that it's a piece of a ongoing yeah. year-round strategy. Yeah. So in each of these chapters, do you have like an identified leader or a leadership team or how does that work? Yeah, kind of both. In each of them, there's, there's definitely has to be kind of a... Uh, uh, kind of an outside instigator <laughs> yep. in a positive way, yep. but but somebody who, and when I say outside, I mean not outside of the community, but outside of the norms. Somebody looks at it through a different lens yeah. and says, we need to do something, and they have the ability to kind of stir the pot yeah. and rally people. Yeah. And so Reggie Joyner has been that role in Wrightsville uh, because of his family history there. And then in uh, uh, Polk County, um, Haley has been doing that and okay. is kind of leads that. And then in the community, they begin to build their own leadership team in that community and eventually its own board mm. and everything develops yeah. in the community. Hey, I, w- I want to, I got a question for you, Ash, sure. um, from your experience from a student ministry point of view, this, I like, I love this idea of the high school exchange. What could you see from your experience dealing with students? What could you see as some of the advantages, some of the positive takeaways that students would get if they were participating in something like this? Um, I love the vision for it because I think it's really easy for students to walk into somebody else's context and like name their poverty. And it's a totally different thing to try to name your own. And so I think when you go into another community with the, the mindset that you're on even ground and that you can learn from each other, I think that that only will um, help teenagers uh, become more self-aware and, um, interact with the people around them better and in a healthier way. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I think you just added to the conversation that we name up we name other people's poverty, but it's hard to name our it's own. It's totally hard. Yeah. Um, uh, Brooklyn actually said something in the, in the interview, meaningful relationships and opportunities to serve are interconnected. And it sounds like what you're doing is you're, you're just creating opportunities for these interconnected relationships to start to happen. Correct. Yeah, that is so good. So where can we learn a little bit more about For Our Neighbors and the high school exchange? Yeah, the best way is uh, forourneighbors.org. Yep. And you can learn about the uh, the initiative there. And then there's a link inside of that for the high school exchange. Yeah. And we're doing our first pilot of that this summer and learn everything that we can. And then hopefully we'll see uh, some great expansion for the summer of 2019. That is fantastic. Now, I just have one more question to help further this conversation. You, you, you mentioned in passing that you're a pastor. Uh, or, or at least have been, so sure. I'm going to say you still are. Uh, um, and you're also an executive director, but you are an ex- you're the first executive director I've ever seen who has a tattoo on their arm. Oh. And a beanie on their head. And, and a beanie. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like, that's a, I feel like I'm in some sort of tech 
um, organization. Tell us what your tattoo is. Well, this is this is fresh. I mean, as in like 24 hours. No way. Yeah. Are you serious? Wait, yeah. Call him out. His family doesn't even know. <laughs> That's right. Hey, mom. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Mrs. So, Carter. yeah, it's, a, it's an outline of Algonquin Provincial Park in Ontario, where I've probably spent 30-plus weeks leading wilderness discipleship trips. Yeah. Like um, Ontario, Canada. Canada, yep. Is there uh, another Ontario? There is California. Oh, There's wow, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's, the si- it's a park the size of Rhode Island, and we would do canoe trips, and you could travel for a week or more, and I think I've learned most of my... Uh, leadership lessons and a whole lot of life lessons up there and just some fantastic memories. And that then is it's awesome. just, it's filled in with just a, it's kind of like a whole set of just a abbreviations stories. of stories and life, kind of a little bit of a life map. Oh, for nice. Awesome. Yeah. Now that I look at it, it is fresh. Yeah. I think there's still blood. Yeah, there is. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> hey, Darren, thanks so much for being in the bunker and, and sharing this information about for our neighbors. You are awesome. Oh, thank you. This has been fun. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Well, that was such great content there, Ash. What, did, what, what were you thinking? You were taking a bunch of notes during that whole thing. I love that they're having high school students serve outside of their normal context. I think that's very powerful because exposure gives you knowledge you didn't have before. Mm. And when you learn that there's different ways of doing things, that actually can have a huge impact. I mean, I always say to people that spending 1% of your time outside of your own context has the potential to change the 99% of time you spend in your own context. Ooh, that's good. Can you say that again? <laughs> I, I like to say, Dave, oh, tw- are you going to write I'm, this I'm, down? Do you I'm need literally, to talk slower? I'm tweeting it right now. I said... Uh, Spending 1% of your time outside of your own context has the potential to change the way you spend 99% of your time in your own context. Oh, I really like that. I really, really like that. I, and as a dad of three teenage daughters, I would love if, if they had the opportunity to go outside of their current church bubble mm-hmm. and go to a, a, a different neighborhood and start serving alongside the kids that, that are there. Yeah, I think the important piece of, of that whole high school exchange is that they're serving shoulder to shoulder yeah. with someone. They're not going to do something for them. Yeah. They're going to do something with them. Yeah. And I think there's power in that. Yeah. I think it's too easy for us to only be kind to our own kind. Oh, it's so much easier. It takes so much less emotional energy. Yeah. But we have to get out of that. If we're mm-hmm. going to have any impact on the world uh, as followers of Jesus, we have to get out of that and start being kind to the people who are not our kind. And it's not even just impact on the world. It's like, that's what impacts us. Yeah. Is when we're exposed to something different. Like that's what grows us. I could not agree more. Well, we really hope that this episode has been helpful for you. If it has been, make sure you give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. I'm not even going for four-star anymore, Ash. I'm just asking people, give us a five-star rating. That would be so good. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. You don't want to miss anything that's happening here at the Think Orange Podcast. Also, check out the show notes, thinkorangepodcast.com. There's some great content. I love the show notes, Ash. I look at them all the time now. I do too. It makes it so much easier that, to like remember what was said. Right. Our producer, Kevin, does a fantastic job along with his team and K-Daddy as well. They do such a great job. And make sure you share this with a friend. And folks, before we do our normal sign-off, I just want to let you know, today, Ashley did not sing But next episode, she (laughs) is going to sing. 
I, I'm just calling it out. You can't force it, Dave. It just needs to come to I, me. I totally get it. I just believe. I like I'm. I'm having a prophecy right now. I believe the <laughs> spirit is speaking to me, saying that next episode you are going to sing like nobody's. Business. You know what's amazing is when the Holy Spirit speaks. It's it goes both ways, and Amen. he's te- he's telling me that uh, you're also gonna uh, sing. <laughs> so make sure you tune in next week for episode sixty. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. When you think next generation, think, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.